Welcome back, my fellow creatives, to Story Cuppings. It's nearly the end of November, so we just have one last Wednesday to take a sip from an indie brew before my daughter and I get into our little podcast series we wanted to do for the month of December. I'm really excited. Yay, proud mom. Okay. Um, before we get there, though, I wanted to share another indie author. And this author has been such a nice, kind, awesome support in the indie author community. And I wanted to share his book with you today. As it is, you know, another bit of fantasy fiction. And you know me, I love diving into some fantasy fiction when I have the chance. So today we are reading Paul Andrus's Jack Hughes and Thomas the Rhymer. This is something that he put out back in 2020. We had an interview for it last uh, last year. So hopefully if you want to swing by Gene Lee's World to check it out when you have the chance. Uh, let me just quick. I'm still recovering from COVID. Sorry. So the coughing fits do come and go. Okay. Here we go. Sorry, I'm trying. I'm gonna try and make sure I mute so you're not stuck hearing me cough when I read because that's no fun for anybody. So let's take a look at the first chapter of Jack Hughes and Thomas the Rhymer and see what flavors we can taste. Chapter one, kidnapped. One miserable Thursday afternoon, 12-year-old Jack Hughes crept into the park behind his brother Dan and girlfriend Allison. Well, that right off the bat tells me we are up to... <laughs> Sorry, anytime you... Anytime a child is trying to spy on an elder brother, that's a bad portent. <laughs> Something's gonna go wrong. Okay. He hid in the bushes, hoping to hear what was wrong with mom and dad. Although he couldn't ask Dan any more than he could ask his parents, Dan would tell Allison. He told her everything. Today, Dan and Allison were not in the mood for talking, which meant he had to suffer watching them smooch. Oh dear. Okay, sorry. <laughs> By the time Allison left and Dan set off home, Jack felt no better than a rotten little spy. Glumly following his brother, he kept out of sight, ashamed Dan might discover him sneaking around. Jack saw an old woman waylay Dan by the hill in the park. She was dressed like a tramp. He wondered if she was begging. When she started stroking Dan's face and calling him and called him Thomas, Jack could not believe Dan just stood there and let her. <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of interesting. I'm I'm I guess I'm trying to gauge how old Dan is. He's an older brother. He's got a girlfriend. Jack is 12. I mean, he could be uh, any... There are plenty of guys who are, you know, older teens that are going to look fully grown. Okay. Well, no, no, no. All right. Horrified when she suddenly kissed his brother full on the lips, Jack burst out of hiding, shouting at her to leave Dan alone. Freezing Jack with a stare, the old woman shimmered 
as of going out of focus, and in her place a beautiful lady stood willowy, pale, and radiant as a princess. With tangled golden curls sparkling in the watery sunset, she playfully wagged a finger. Her voice, low and musical, sounded cozy as a secret shared. Frere, oh, Frere Jaca, Frere Jaca, not today, but I will come back. I promise you, when your day comes, together we will have such fun. Until then, silence learn, a sweet, a kiss sweet Jacques till I return. Blowing Jack a kiss, which hung, stung like a smack on the mouth, the beautiful lady took Dan's hand, and they vanished. There was no lightning flash or thunderclap. They were simply gone, like they were never there at all. Oh, yowza. That's, that's a lot in our first, what, page and a half? I mean, first of all, the kid already felt pretty guilty because he watched his brother and his, the elder brother and girlfriend make out. So he's already feeling like a louse. And then the teen, you know, the older brother gets caught up with this other lady, which isn't looking right to begin with. And... So, Dan, you know, Jack laughs when the lady kisses him, which that's a pretty believable thing for a kid to do when you're your older brother, because you know your older brother, and there's this lady that's treating him like a grown-up, and you don't see your older brother as a grown-up, so yeah, you think that's funny. And now he's gone. The last thing Jack did was laugh at his brother. And now his brother is gone. That's a horrible weight on a 12-year-old. So we have some pretty high stakes set in the first page and a half. There's urgency here. So we, we, we as readers have to find out what's going on. So we need to keep reading. What time do you call this, growled Jack's father. Your mother's sick with worry. If your dinner's burnt to a crisp, don't dare ask for something else. Dad was in no mood to listen, so Jack didn't attempt to reply. He stood looking down at his feet while he thundered on. Anyway, what could he say? Where had he been? What happened? He didn't really know. It was weird, confusing like a nightmare. Perhaps Dan was in the kitchen, eating his dinner. He'd grin, giving Jack a sympathetic, Rather there you than me look, because Dad was carrying on. Without realizing it, Jack found himself edging toward the kitchen door. <clears throat> you might as well try and sneak away, mister. Now get in there and apologize to your mum. And where have you been? demanded mum. Without waiting for an answer, she picked up the tea towel to fish out a dried-up dinner from the oven and slapped the plane in front of him. I don't know why I bother. Jack knew his mother could go on like this for hours. Don't suppose you've seen that brother of yours, she snapped. So it was true. Dan was gone. Her voice softened seeing Jack's face. Are you all right, love? You look like you've seen a ghost. Is it Dan? Not knowing what to say, he shook his head. Mum felt his forehead. Good heavens, you're burning up. I just want to go to bed. If this was a nightmare, maybe if he went to sleep, when he woke up, everything would be back to what it was. 
Well, what about your dinner? Why don't you watch TV while I make you a sandwich? Your show's on soon. I, I can't be bothered, Mom. But you never miss it. It was as if Mom needed him to be all right because she was afraid of what it meant if he was not. And how could he tell her nothing would be all right ever again? I'll watch it on ketchup. When Mom looked relieved, she knew he knew she was thinking, it can't be that bad. He was glad he made her feel better. Dad came into the kitchen. What's up with you? Leave him, Matt. Go on, Jack. I'll bring some hot milk. The bed looked snug and inviting. Stripping off his clothes, Jack got into his pajamas without bothering to shower or clean his teeth. Crawling into bed, he pulled the duvet all the way up to his chin. It was ages before Mum came up. As she kissed him goodnight, he asked if Dan was home. Stupid. That was stupid. Mum shook her head, wiping a tear. I'm sorry, love. I've a lot on my mind. This was Jack's chance to show to ask what. Somehow that seemed unimportant right now. Later, when Dad popped in, Jack pretended to be asleep. He was worried Dad might ask him about Dan. If I can get to sleep, I'll wake up and everything will be normal. He felt his dad's breath on his face as he bent over to kiss his forehead. His dad hardly ever kissed him anymore, joking he didn't want to embarrass Jack or himself. I love you, son, he muttered. Love you too, Dad, Jack wanted to say. Tears welled in the tight-squeezed corners of his eyes. So that's a, that's pretty tough. We, we would assume as readers that the parents are trying not to show concern about Dan missing. And that could be why they are showing signs of being upset, the extra affection to Jack. We are not, that's not clearly said, but I think that's implied and we shouldn't have to expect the author to they're upset because their son is missing you don't need to project and tell people everything that's going on it's okay to let readers work things out you don't have to assume your readers won't make any connections you have to let your readers make some connections and that's the connection i'm making here so we have a little section break, and then a new scene starts. Jack did not know he was asleep until the beautiful lady touched him. A roar filled his ears like cars on a busy road. Tower Hill Park rushed away. Streets of houses blurred to trees and fields. Towns and rivers dashed past in frightful motion. Jack was not moving. He stayed perfectly still while the whole mad world raced by. Crossing a marsh, he shut his eyes as a flock of birds took to the air. When he finally looked, the birds were gone. They had flown through him and the lady as if they were in an entirely different world. The roar in his ears stopped. Everything lurched to a sickening halt. They were on top of a low hill ringed by tall stones. Away through the treetops, he saw the imposing roof of a big old house. Where are we? 
Elfame, you're home. I hope I'm saying that right. Her voice rang with the tinkling of a thousand silver bells. It's not my home. I'm not Thomas. It's not Dan's home either. You're mixing him up with someone, Jack started to cry, bitter tears of frustration and fear. <clears throat> she touched his tears with a touch light as thistledown on the summer breeze. Poor Thomas, be not afraid, for you are with your pretty maid, never more to wander far from this loving eye or heart. Grabbing him with an iron grip, she dragged Jack toward the dark and friendly trees, full of shadows like something from a horror film. Ooh. So we have, this is quite the juxtaposition here. We had the nice and delicate and sweet and pretty sounding and, oh, Thistledown, it's so sweet and light. and Oh, it's so nice, the summer breeze. And then Iron Grip dragging to dark trees. So we have a really nice contrast here. Well, looks sweet on the outside. Ain't sounding sweet on the inside, that's for sure. He tried shaking her loose, but she was too strong, too determined. Soon they were entangled in a wilderness of pine and thick rhododendron, whose glossy black leaves sucked the last of the light from the evening sky. Jack heard things lumbering about in the suffocating gloom of the woods, branches cracking as large, heavy animals blundered into them. It made him think it was not a good idea to run away, even if he could. Once or twice he saw shapes. Never clearly enough to make out what they were. He could tell they were massive, like lions or, or horses, but, but too big for either. From every side, they hooted and screeched, making him wonder if they were dinosaurs. When the forest gave way to a gravel drive, he was relieved the creatures stayed in the darkness of the trees. Ahead was the creepy old mansion he saw earlier. Once again, he was reminded of all those scary films he never should have watched. As they approached the house, the windows filled with light. Music floated on the breeze. Reaching the front door, the door swung open. I'm sorry, reaching the front porch, the door swung open, making the music louder, the lights brighter. Drifts of heady perfume left Jack heavy-eyed, yet giddy with recklessness. As though in a dream, he stepped inside. The front door slammed shut behind him. All hell broke loose. End of scene. My goodness. And I wish we kind of wish we could see what the hell that broke loose was. But we kind of get a hint of it in the next scene. And we have, and I think we've all been there as readers, so we can relate to the plight of this protagonist, you know, where you're in a pretty intense dream and things are reaching a fever pitch moment and that's when you wake. So you're not sure what happens. So I guess we have to keep going if we want to get a little hint of what that all hell broke loose was. Let's keep going. There's a couple pages left of the chapter. Waking in a cold sweat, Jack grasped at the fragments of dream already slipping away. 
Something terrible happened to Dan. It was the lady in the park. She said something. Blew him a kiss and vanished with Dan. Jack touched his mouth. His lips felt numb. He had to tell Mom and Dad. Peering at the bedside clock, he wondered if his parents were up. Seeing light under his bedroom door, he knew they were. Suddenly, more than anything, he wanted to be with them. Throwing back the duvet, he found his slippers in the dark and went downstairs. Two police officers were in the lounge. He stood in the doorway, unsure what to do. His mother got up from the settee. Jack, it's late, you know. Her eyes looked red and swollen from crying. Dad was crying, too. He had never seen Dad cry before, and it scared Jack. He reached for his mother, wanting to be hugged like a baby. When she did, he felt safe for the first time since waking. The police are here about Dan, she explained. At Dan's name, Dan, Dad groaned like a beast in pain. The noise frightened Jack. He had never seen his parents so miserable. He had to say something. He had to try. He opened his mouth. His tongue swelled. His chest tightened. His ribs, like iron bands, crushed air from his lungs. His throat locked. He could not swallow. He dropped to the floor with a hiss. His mother shrieking. The police sprang into action. It was as if, after all the waiting, they were relieved to have something to do. Strong fingers pried open his mouth, pulling out his tongue. Coming off his radio, the policeman said a doctor was on the way. Able to breathe, Jack snatched a lung full of air. His head swam. Shocked and, dis and frightened, Jack sat silent on the settee between his parents, Mum holding one hand, Dad the other. The policewoman sat in one armchair, the policeman in the other. Everyone was waiting again. Now they were waiting for the doctor. They seemed almost cheerful. At least they knew this waiting would end. By the time the doctor left, Jack was nodding off. Come on, old man, said his father, carrying upstairs. Jack was asleep the moment his head hit the pillow. There were no more dreams. He did not even know he slept until he saw daylight pouring through the curtains. That's where the chapter ends. So clearly the spell that whatever woman person was there, that her kiss blew and, and stung Jack's lips, it's having an effect. He is literally unable to speak about Dan. Literally. Uh, it sounds like it would actually kill him if he tried any harder, even though he really wants to. Uh, and that's, again, establishing some very high stakes. And it's an interesting contrast to last week, um, reading Craig's uh, Voyage of the Lanternfish, where the first chapter is more of a slow burn, where we had establishment of characters, establishment of the setting, but we didn't really have the magic. We had foreshadowing of it with the strange fish that was discovered, but any actual spells or whatnot we did not see. There was still conflict. I mean, it ended with uh, a, one character missing and another character being knocked out. But no magic as of yet. Uh, or monster, uh, what have you. And here, we have the magic come very quickly. And we have the conflict established very quickly. And, and it works for each story. I mean, in one story, we have it in a historical 
time period. So establishing the time frame first, the historical setting first, makes sense because that way your readers are able to understand what is normal for that world versus the magical abnormal world the characters were going to be getting into. In here, since it's more of a contemporary start, a contemporary setting, we don't have to do a whole lot of world building there. We can jump right into the magic and get into the fantastical invading the normalcy. And that works well for Paul Andrus's book. So there's a lot to learn here as a writer. And I think there's a lot to enjoy here as a reader. So I hope you'll enjoy sipping from this cup some more. Um, because, I mean, the book's out there. I got the link in our episode description. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what other indie books I can uncover next year. Oh my goodness, I have to say next year. Because next month is December. And we're going to dive into favorite reads of my daughter, Blondie. So if you have young readers in your life, but you're not entirely sure what to get them, stay tuned because our podcast series is going to go through quite a nice array of books that my daughter has just loved over the past year that your little wonder may enjoy as well. So until next time, read on, share on, and write on, my friends. Cheers. <laughs>